0: Hey, teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Tuesday y'all and thank you for joining me for another episode of Simply Teach. Today we're going to be talking all about organizing your stations. I get this question a lot and it's kind of a hard question for me to answer because there's so many different grade levels, subjects organization and personality styles represented in all of the people who listen to this podcast. Today I'm going to share some practical ways that you can organize your stations as well as how to organize your math and literacy stations. So we're gonna talk like big picture, how can you organize stations, and then specifically for math and literacy. But before we get started, here's what you need to know. Classroom management is essential to having effective stations. No matter how long you've been teaching, if classroom management is not a strength of yours, then stations are not gonna work. I've got a free resource over on my website and it'll be linked in this week's show notes. It's called Nine Classroom Management Tips. And you can download this to get some practical Uh, strategies that you can use in your class to help you manage your students a little bit better so that you can do stations. We'll talk more about classroom management here in a minute, but for now, let's get to talking about station organization. Also, one last note, this podcast has a lot of media info in it, so you'll either want to listen with a notebook nearby or just make sure to come back and check the show notes after you're done listening. That's assemblyorganizeteacher.com slash stations. If you're somebody like me, who's always multitasking while you're listening to podcasts, then Everything that you need for organizing your stations will be over there on the website when this goes live. We are going to break today's episode down into three parts. First, I'm going to share general organization tips that work for all stations. Then I'll share some specific strategies to math, and then we'll wrap up with some literacy station Uh, ideas or tips. And keep in mind, everything that I'm sharing is what's worked for me or teachers I've worked with or teachers who I've actually gone in and coached them on their classroom organization. So, You know, take everything that I say with a grain of salt and be flexible with trying to change it and work it however it's going to work best in your specific classroom and with your specific stations because you may not teach math, but you can still use these same strategies in a science or social studies type subject that you want to do stations in. So, here's some organization strategies that are going to work no matter what subject that you're doing stations for. First, you want to organize your station activities in some kind of home separated by standard. I liked to use milk crates because most of my activities were file folder activities. So I could put all those folders in a hanging folder for each topic. I've seen a lot of pictures on Pinterest with those plastic tubs that you can get from Hobby Lobby, you know, like they're paper-sized and basically you have one whole plastic bin for each topic or common core standard or teak or whatever it is. I love it. I think it's a great idea. It looks really nice. It's a really effective way to organize, but it's really expensive. So that's why I chose more of the milk crate folder, file folder system. That's what worked for me and my classroom and my budget. Second, you want to set up station materials in a certain part of the room. This doesn't mean that all the stations are going to be done in that corner of the room, but for example, all the math stations were stored and the materials were stored underneath my math word wall. My language arts stations were all stored underneath my English language arts word wall by my library. So all the manipulatives for each of the stations were in one core area. And then the station boxes that the kids actually used for the stations were in that area as well. So everything math was in one corner of the room. Everything literacy was in another corner of the room. This is a really good way to separate your classroom. But again, it doesn't mean that they're going to be doing the math stations all in the math area. They would just take the materials to wherever they were working and then everything went back to the math area when we were done with math stations. And lastly, when it comes to organizing your station materials, I recommend using baskets and bins for the kids' station activities. So of course, you're going to have a place where you want to store all of the stations that you have. For me, that was the milk crates. But you're also going to need a place to store or organize the stations that the kids are actually using at that time. So for math stations, I use plastic clear shoeboxes. And then literacy stations, I use those Y-weave baskets that I, I picked them up at Target, but they've got them on Amazon. And I've got all that linked over on this week's show notes. But I use those to store the actual materials that kids were using at that time. So we've talked organization strategies. Now let's talk about some management strategies that work for all of your different stations. First, you want to make sure that you have a really well thought out routine and schedule for your stations. That means figuring out how long you realistically have to let students participate in the stations, how long it's going to take to transition, what are your expectations for students putting up stations before moving on to the next. In my classroom, the entire station was put away after each use. That way, there was never a space for an argument of who was the last one, who you know, broke the marker, who didn't put it away correctly. You'll also want a routine for how often you're going to change out station materials. For me, this was typically every two or three weeks on a Friday afternoon after my lessons were prepared for the upcoming week. Next, you've got two options for grouping your students. You can group them all on the same level so that they're working with students on the same subject or the same things at the same level. This is nice because you can bring one group to your table and no one is missing a partner while they're still back in stations. However, the downfall to this is that students don't have someone to help them or have someone to help if they are all essentially in the same boat. The other way for grouping your kids is in the Kagan structure method with a student from each level in the group. And this is nice because they do have partners at different levels to work with. And we know that that can be really valuable. However, of course there's a downfall to that is that whenever you pull for small groups which should be leveled, then some students are going to be missing a partner. In my classroom I did literacy stations this way so they were grouped just by pairs that worked well together and typically a high and a low together or a medium high and a medium low together to avoid like super drastic differences in their academic levels. But when I did math stations I grouped a group of four or five by level. So you can have both. All right. Like I talked about at the beginning, classroom management is so essential for doing stations. If you do not have a sound management plan in place to reward behavior or to give out consequences, then stop. Uh, If you don't have control of your classroom, you've got to stop. Stations are going to be useless if you don't have control of your classroom. And I don't mean control in like a, I'm the boss and whatever kind of way. I mean that you don't have the ability to get your students' attention within three to five seconds. You don't have the ability to work with your students at your small group table and trust that the rest of your classroom is working effectively. Then you need to pause, get that in place before you do stations. You can fully expect that students in stations are not going to be working adequately and that you will not be able to give your full focus to your students that are at your small group table if you don't have that management plan in place. So I've got a couple episodes, a lot of blog posts and some free resources. Go to episode number 11 and number 13 for more info on behavior management plans that you need in your classroom. Plus on this week's show notes, I'm going to link up the post on how to implement your classroom management plans. You need to be able to get your students' attention in under five seconds you need to be able to trust them to work for an extended period of time without you checking on them. But once you have that management plan in place, then you can be doing stations and they can be flawless. And I shouldn't say flawless. Nothing in a classroom is flawless, but they can run smoothly. But how do you get there? You are going to have to practice a lot and you're going to have to really stand by the management system that you have in place. So real quick, a little backstory on me. This isn't really a backstory. This is just more like a fact, but I tend to like to follow the rules and do what's expected of me. I don't like to let people down unless I think that rule or that expectation is dumb. So when my campus told us one year that we were expected to have small group teaching going on, like full small group teaching rolled out by the third week of the school, I laughed. There is no way that that can happen. And I thought it was dumb, to be quite honest. So as I uh, maybe recommend to teachers. That is maybe not the best thing. I closed my door and, and did what I knew was best for my students. And that was to get effective management in place before I ever introduced stations. The first four to six weeks of school is a ton of practice in management, in stations, with me nearby at all times. This way, students got used to me checking in on them and knowing that I was holding them accountable. This also allowed them to build up their stamina for working longer and longer periods of time. It's also really important that you roll stations out slowly instead of introducing them all at one time. So, you know, the first two weeks of school, the kids only know two, maybe three literacy stations that we're going to have in our classroom. And during that third or fourth week of school, I might pull one group of kids to my table for anywhere from like eight to 10 minutes, but that's it. Then I'm back to circling, monitoring, asking questions of my students, giving them a chance to build their stamina of working independently for an extended period of time. Lastly, you're going to need a management system for each station, and I'm going to cover those more in just a second. But basically, you need a board or some way for students to see what station they are doing and what the expectations are. Picking up a station, transitioning to the next one, and getting ready for the new station should all take less than 90 seconds. It should be quick. And that means you need a place that's going to be visible for all of your students to see where they should be in the stations. None of this calling out, like sitting up, you know, everybody come to the carpet. Let me tell you what stations you're going to be in. That takes a lot of time and it wastes a lot of valuable time. So you want to make sure that you have some management system in place. And we're going to cover that in just a second for each of the different stations. Teachers, I know how busy you are. It seems like every day they are slapping you with one more thing to do. Meetings to attend, recording data, making parent phone calls, attending meetings, grading papers, holding conferences, sitting in arts, 504 meetings, facilitating after-school clubs that you don't get paid for, writing lesson plans. I could keep going, but you probably find yourself asking, how do I even get organized? The beginning of the year is a crazy time and things usually end up shoved in cabinets, stacked on top of bins in the room, just starts out a mess. Then once school is in full motion, it feels like you have no time to devote to getting organized. And then staying consistent is really hard with all of that stuff you had to keep up with that I talked about just a second ago. All the papers coming in, all the resources you have all over your room. How do you practically stay organized? That's where the classrooms at spark joy, virtual training comes in. This course is a set of six practical things that you can do in your classroom to get organized. And what I love most about this training is that you don't even have to physically be in your classroom. At some point, you will need to be actually in your classroom doing the organizing, but the number one step to organizing anything is to create a plan. And that's where the Classrooms that Spark Joy Virtual Training comes in. It's gonna help you get that plan in place to create your organized classroom. Then, once you are in your classroom, you can walk through the action steps and make it happen. All you have to do to get access to this virtual training is head to the Simply click on the shop, and you will find the classrooms at Spark Joy training right there, ready for you to go. Now let's move on to talking about practicalities for the different stations. I'm gonna talk primarily about literacy and math stations today because those are the typical subjects that we do sub- uh, that we do stations in, sorry. But of course you can take these strategies and apply them to any subject that you want to do stations in. Math stations were actually my least favorite stations to get set up because I had so many activities that I was giving my kids to do. And I also spent probably the first three years of my teaching career trying to figure out what was the best way to do stations. But here is what I finally settled on. I did four main stations, four groups of kids and a bunch of activities at each station that they could choose from. So let me do a quick run through of how I operated my math stations. I used four stations when it came to math. So they were pretty simple. Math, M-A-T-H. M was meet with teachers. So this was students meeting at the U table with me and working on concepts that they were either A, needing support with, or B, whatever we were doing in our whole group lesson. I was reiterating there. A was at your seat, so students were working on math games or activities at their desk. T was technology, so students were on iPads or computers playing some different math games. Pretty much, I just did Prodigy, which was what my district was using at the time, but you could also have different apps that the kids could be using based on whatever it is that's going on in your classroom. And then last, we had H for hands-on, and this was, again, students working on math games and activities. So what was nice about this is the at-your-seat and hands-on activities were the only ones that I actually had to get materials for because meet with teacher, of course, I have to have materials, but it wasn't station materials. And then technology, the kids knew what was expected of them there. I kept the at-your-seat and hands-on activities in those plastic shoe boxes that I mentioned earlier on in the episode. And they were in my math manipulative shelving unit. Again, all of these pictures, everything, if you're a visual person, head to the show notes, they'll be there. But I had five bins for each station. So five for a seat, five for hands-on. And the students could choose any of the activities from whichever station they were at. So this was nice because I wasn't having to change stations too frequently. They essentially had 10 stations to choose from if they went to the A and the H in one day, and they really should only be getting through one station or one activity a day. So that gave me quite a long time that they could, that I didn't have to change out those stations. As far as my management system, I used a grid system for each day of the week. And I don't even know how to begin explaining this to you because it was so complicated to create, but there is a picture of it on the show notes for this week. And anybody who is a member of the Organized Teacher Framework course is going to get this grid all the days, wrote out, it's going to be in the course for you to use. But it basically just had a grid for each day of the week, and the student could look up on the grid. I projected it up on the screen. They could look at any time and see exactly what station they were to be at and what stations they were going to be at that whole day. Another math station tip I learned a few years back from a friend is to use this really nice I'm going to call them sheet protectors. I'm sure that they have a fancier name in the teacher supply stores, but I use those instead of making copies because my first two or three years, I was making 50 copies of an activity so they could do it over and over. And to be honest, they went from the turn-in basket straight to the recycle bin. I never looked at them. It was such a waste of paper. It was such a waste of time. So later I realized it was better to just make one copy put it in the plastic sleeve, and then the kids are able to use it over and over. I wasn't super strict on how often I changed out my math stations. Like I said, there were a lot of activities in there, so it gave me a couple weeks. Sometimes I did stations three times a week, and other times I didn't even touch the stations during the week. So I judged when it was time to change the stations based on the engagement of my kiddos. When I noticed that they were becoming more and more disengaged with the activity, you know, off-test behavior, talking, all that kind of stuff, then I would change them. And it usually averaged out to every two or three weeks. When it came time to change out my math stations, I really only had to change out those 10 activities because the other two stations, like I said, meet with teacher and technology, I didn't have to do much. I would just line up the 10 plastic bins, take everything out and put them in piles, all the papers, all the plastic sleeves, all the markers. Then I'd put in the new stations take those materials from the piles I created, put them back in where they needed. And there it was done. New stations were created. I have a tutorial over on my Instagram page. I think it's under like in the stories, highlights under classroom organization. But I also learned how to make a GIF, GIF, whatever it's called, because I'm super techie and with the time these days. But you can go see that in the show notes. I'll link it up over there. And you can see I walk through like the five or six steps. It took me to change out my stations. All right, moving on to literacy stations. I feel like I need a breather. You probably need a breather too, but we're going to keep going. For some reason, literacy stations, aka daily five in my classroom, they were easier for me to manage and a little bit less intimidating for me to teach my kids than math stations. Maybe it was because they are more consistent stations with less materials to change out, or maybe It's just because I've been doing them since day one, so I was just more comfortable with them. But I'm going to quickly run through the seven literacy stations I had. They never changed. I realized I called it Daily Five, and I had seven stations. It was a weird mix of, I started out with Daily Five, and then Debbie Diller came to our district and our school, and I started doing more literacy stations, but I always called them Daily Five. My kids never questioned it, which is odd to me. Anyways, these stations never changed. They were always the same seven stations. The only things that changed were the activities the kids were doing at each one. So I had read to self. Obviously, you know what that is. Kids sit at their desk and read independently. Then I had read to someone, which was kids reading with a partner. And what I really liked about this is I would put books in those baskets. Remember, I told you earlier that I had baskets for each of the literacy stations. Read to self, they don't need a basket. They've got their book bag. But with read to someone, I had a basket and I would put books books that related to what we were learning about in the Read to Someone bin. This way, kids would have more exposure to text in which we were learning about in the classroom. Next was work on writing, and I just had a big bulletin board with the different activities they could choose from. I used to have a ton and change them out every few weeks, but this became overwhelming and exhausting. And guys, as teachers, we got to manage our time well, and this was one thing that I just felt I could cut down on. And Later, I came up with just a few general writing station activities that they could do and rotate through throughout the year. There were always things, though, that we had done in a whole group setting. So I didn't necessarily have to go back and reteach how to do that station or that activity because they knew how to do it since we had already done it in a whole group lesson. Next was word work and students were working on activities related to the phonics pattern that we were studying that week since I was in second grade. Obviously, older grades are going to, you know, change that up a little bit. Next was listen to reading, where students would just listen to books read aloud on a CD. We had poetry, which was housed on the side of my desk, uh, because it was magnetic and there was a pocket chart and a poem that the kids would work on assembling together. They would read the poem to each other. I'm going to link up the poems that I used in my poetry station on the show notes. If you want to get them, they are just cut, laminate, use, ready to go. Then lastly was technology. And I used this time for any of my students that were tier two. So in reading, if they were tier two, They would work on the different technology apps that we had to help them with their tier two intervention. So I use Lexia and iStation. I'm sure by this time there are new, different things that you can use, but that's what I used when I did technology. Other students that weren't in tier two, they were able to get on Epic and read books or book flicks or something like that. And also one last note when it comes to technology, it's really important to have a student job that is a technician. And this is the person that kids can go to if something isn't working instead of coming to you while you're trying to meet with kids. When I organized my literacy stations, like I said, I had bins in the literacy station or my classroom library area, and I really only had four bins, one for word work, one for read to someone, one for word work, and one for listen to reading. Everything else the kids kept, their books, they kept in their book bags, which I just used really big plastic gallon, uh, gallon sized bags that I could get from Target and wrote their names on them. And that was their book bag. It was nothing fancy. And I would give them once a week, I think I picked a day like on Mondays, or no, it was just. I don't remember how I did it to be honest, but I had a day once a week where students could go and check out new books from the classroom library during their read to self time. So maybe it was like the first time they had read to self that week, they would go and get new books, put them in their book bag and then put their old ones away. So those were the stations I used. Let me run through them really quickly. Again, read to self, read to someone, work on writing, word work, listen to reading, poetry and technology. Then when it came to managing My literacy stations. They were all managed in one of those pocket chart things. Again, I've said it a million times, picture on the blog. And each student had a card with their name on it. They were paired up with one other partner. And then they had, then I had cards for each of the different stations that were next to the student's name. So that way they could easily, again, it's back to that visual where they can easily see what their first and second station was that day. Then it was the daily five captain's job to rotate the stations at the end of each daily five day. All right, we talked about a lot of stuff today so make sure to head to the simply stations to get all of the info that you need on how to organize your stations how to set them up specifically for math and literacy stations and again remember that no matter how great your intentions are when it comes to stations you've got to have a management plan in place All of these blogs are going to be linked up on this week's show notes. So make sure you check that out to get all the management tips you need. Plus you can download that free nine management tips freebie that is going to give you some management tips. Plus put you in a series of five or six emails that are going to help you work on your management plans. If you want to help support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. This podcast is not free to produce either in time or money. Each episode probably takes me anywhere from four to eight hours for me and my team to produce. So I would love your support. Here's how you can help. First, leave a rating and review over on iTunes. That is the easiest way that you can do it or not even just on iTunes, whatever podcast app you use to listen. Secondly, you can sign up for the newsletter at bit.ly slash mail. And this is where I send weekly teaching support and encouragement related to classroom organization and management. Both of those are free to you. They cost you nothing, but they help me out immensely. And then lastly, you can check out the TSOP shop. I've got over 10 resources on there that are going to help you get your classroom organized and manage and help me by continuing to support the costs that it takes to make this podcast free for you to listen to. All right, guys, y'all have a great week. I will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at the Simply Organized Teacher. Guys, I wanna be your social media friend. I wanna interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.